today on Quest, actress and model Anna East Eaton. Life is a quest for logic and reason. It is a quest to find balance between science and faith. Life is a quest for knowledge and understanding. But most importantly, it's a quest for personal discovery. Whatever your quest, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Welcome to Quest. Hello everyone, I'm your host, Todd Fisher, and this is Quest. For those of you that might be new listeners, let me tell you a little about me. I'm the founder of Metatomics and the author of the best-selling book, Metatomics, The Grand Design. I'm a philosopher, a theorist, a metaphysicist. I'm a perpetual pupil of theology, and I'm an expert in comparative religious study. I've also extensively researched the mind-body connection, anatomy, and physiology. I documented over 300 case studies while researching my book, all from a scientific perspective, with cases that ranged from near-death and out-of-body experiences to possession to past-life experiences, as well as the metaphysical, the paranormal, and other unexplained cases of a spiritual nature. This podcast will bring you some of those astonishing stories, and in some cases by the people that actually lived them. From time to time, I'll be talking about important perhaps even controversial issues from both spiritual and scientific points of view. The world we live in is ever-changing, and there's often a conflict between spirituality and science, and I wanted to bring you this podcast to balance that equation. It will show you how we know what we know, and there's still so much we don't know. For me, curiosity is part of what makes us human. It's the joy of discovery. It's what drives us. It's our quest. Today on Quest, my guest is Anna Easteden. Anna is a Finnish model and actress. She's had a long career in Hollywood. She's been all over the world. She's an old friend of mine, and I think you'll really like my interview with her today. Here it is. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the Quest Podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm glad you could make it for the show. This is uh, this exciting when I get to talk to you. We've known each other for a while, and uh, I always appreciate our conversations, and, and I was glad you could, uh, you could come on and do the Quest Podcast. Thank you so much. I, likewise, we've been talking about this for a while, so I'm glad it's happening finally. Yeah. Well, you've had a, you've had a busy, this has been a weird year for everyone, but like you've had kind of an interesting year. You weren't even in the country for most of the year. Tell everyone where you were at. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I went to Finland um, where I was born and I was there for a few months, which was amazing because um, compared to California, the COVID numbers aren't that bad and life is more normal there. So it was, um, it was a refreshing break, but now I'm back to Los Angeles. Yeah, you were there pretty much during the worst parts of COVID, too. Yeah, yeah. So I got really lucky and and just kind of missed all of that. (laughs) And you you came back to fires, though. (laughs) I did. I did. So at first, we couldn't really go anywhere because of COVID. And then 
um, I came back to smoke and then we couldn't go out because of the smoke and we're just inside, but that's all right. And it was bad, right? It was like, you know, it was very like dense cloudy and the air quality was really poor. Yeah, and actually it still is right now. Mm. Um, I keep looking at the numbers for the air quality and they're really terrible. And then in the mornings I wake up and usually on a good day, I see a mountain with a bunch of houses on it. And then I haven't been seeing that mountain for the last three weeks. It's crazy what's happening this year. Just insane. Right when you think that things might normalize, something else weird happens. I know. And I'm like, what is next? Oh, and then also we had this earthquake. <laughs> uh, one night I woke up to it and I was like, uh-oh. Um, but luckily it wasn't too bad. That's a common That's a common thing, though, for California. So I think yeah, you all have is, come to expect all it that. It is, but this was long. And, and often I don't even wake up to them. And this one I woke up to. So it was uh, that way a bigger one for me. I remember when I first moved to California, you know, I had heard about the earthquakes and never really experienced one. And, uh, and I remember the very first one, I was, I was kind of like halfway asleep on a couch. And I remember it felt like the whole house was swaying like 50 foot side to side, like everything was rocking, just this nice slow rock. Yeah. And like the fish aquarium sloshing around and lamps hanging from the ceiling or moving all around. I was like, whoa, that was like crazy. And, yes. and uh, it was just really in, like an interesting situation. And then I remember a relative of mine told me, they said, oh, well, those are the good kind of earthquakes. It's the shaking ones that are like really dangerous. And, mm. and, and then I remember when I experienced one of those for the first time and I was in a car and I think I was on like 101 and it was like the car like skipped like two feet over into the emergency lane. It was just like the road was pulled out from under it and I was immediately like a little further over. And, uh, and it was really, uh, really odd. And then the radio went off and, you know, this news comes on and they says he just, you know, there was this much of an earthquake. Like it was really incredible, but it was like a shaker like that. And I could definitely tell the difference in the danger of those things, but it was uh, crazy. Although I would rather have an earthquake than a tornado. The tornadoes are, you know, what I had growing up in the Midwest and I would t definitely rather have an earthquake than a tornado. Yeah. I, I think I agree with you. I, we don't have tornadoes in Los Angeles, um, but I um, I lived in Taiwan in Taipei for a little while, and they had typhoons, and those were terrible, terrible. Yeah. Like you you'd spend the night at home, and then over you know a typhoon would be happening, and you'd go outside the next day, and you wouldn't recognize things because you know there were scooters yeah. strewn around the streets. And wow. It, it was just wild. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Let's, uh, this is all, all you know, they, all these stories are like really cool. And, you know, hearing about these experiences yeah. are always interesting and very into the worldly. Yes. <laughs> you know? And actually, my first earthquake was in Tokyo. I had never experienced a, a, an earthquake before. And I was living in Tokyo and I had a roommate from Canada and she had felt an earthquake before. And it was in the middle of the night and I woke up and I didn't know what was going on. I, I thought I was sick with some kind of a seizure or some kind of a illness that I had never experienced before. And I'm just laying in bed going side to side and I'm like, I can't stop. <laughs> and then the girl who I was living with, she yells earthquake. And I was like, oh, that's an earthquake. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah. So you know, wild. for, for uh, my listeners that aren't familiar with you, you, mm-hmm. you grew up, you were born and raised in Finland and you were yeah. the daughter of dairy farmers. Mm-hmm. So, so you're a real farmer's daughter, which is the, probably the first farmer's daughter I've ever had on my podcast. So that's good. But, uh, but what was it like in Finland? Like you didn't get tornadoes there. There were no, no. hurricanes there. Like what no. did you, what was the worst you had? Bad winters? Well, we have, oh, it rains a lot. There's a lot of thunder and lightning way more than in LA. Um, and this summer there must've been thunder and lightning weekly. Wow. So we, we get that. And sometimes the, it gets so bad that we have to unplug everything in the house because I remember being a kid and the lightning stroke and I would just see the lightning go from one of the electrical outlets to another in the room. Like mm. I could see the lightning in the room and that's um, much more common there than here. So you make sure not to sit by those when, when it's bad weather in Finland. Is Finland far enough north to see auroras? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I that's grew up a- seeing those too. And it's now it's such a... Like, oh, I want to see one. But when I was a kid, my mom would be like, hey, come outside. There is, you can see the um, northern lights. And me and my brother would go outside for like 30 seconds and we'd be like, huh, okay. We'd go back in. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't appreciate what you have when you have it all, uh, all the time. Wow. What was it like uh, growing up on a dairy farm? Well, for me, it was kind of boring because I wanted to be a city girl when I was growing up. I wanted to be in where things are happening much more than peaceful and quiet places. <laughs> so I, um, I appreciate it now much more than I did then. Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, I have a brother and he actually owns the farm now. It's his farm. So We're did you have to work on the farm? No. Um, not really, because I was into playing with Barbies, and I wasn't. A, I'm much more, much more of a farm type now because I grow my own vegetables at home in Los Angeles. But back in back in Finland, I was. I think I was trying to be anti-farm uh, at sure. times, and and uh, but I think that's just part of growing up. Did you grow up spiritual or religious? Did you have a religious family? Well, um, no, yes and no. Um, my parents are from two different religions. So I grew up in a household where we didn't really go to church. Um, in fact, we just didn't, we went to church when there was weddings and funerals, um, and that kind of thing. But my dad was, uh, um, Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, I guess in Finland, it's really Finnish Orthodox, but similar as Greek Orthodox religion. And my mom was Lutheran. Uh, Lutheran, Lutheranism is the largest um, religion in Finland. And then Greek Orthodox or Greek Catholic is the second largest. So then when I was three months old, uh, I was baptized into being part of the Greek Catholic or Greek Orthodox religion um, when I was given my name. So, so I didn't really have a say in that because I was sure. three years old. Yeah. But that's right. very common in Finland, how it, how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. When did your modeling career get started? You were a teenager? 
Yeah, I was, I was really young. I, um, I guess I started when I was 12 and started getting local jobs, fashion shows and print, print stuff. And, and then, um, it went on from there and I ended up working all over the world, all over Asia and 13 different Asian countries and all over Europe. And then I came to America and uh, worked in Miami and Chicago and Hawaii and New York for a few jobs and, and now in LA. So kind yeah. of all over the world. It's been, we been an amazing ride as far as the travel goes, travels go for me. And you did a lot of print print work and runway and do you also do television commercials yeah yeah mostly print print was my my main thing um but i did also tv stuff um commercials and music videos and and that and that kind of thing when did you transition to acting um i think i always wanted to and it was the transition happened kind of accidentally because i was doing tv stuff as a model and then I got more serious about it when I did my first play that was in Chicago. I played the Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty in the musical Sleeping Beauty. And, um, and then right after that, I moved to LA, so. Do you have formal training as an actress? Yeah, I, I, um, I have a bachelor's uh, degree from UC Berkeley in theater. Um, and then, of course, in LA, people take classes all the time from different teachers, and I've done those as well. What's the best tip you can give someone who wants to get into acting now? Um, to believe in yourself and to believe in your dreams and just go for it, because if you don't, you'll never get there. Um, I think... I think it's, maybe it's terrible of me to say this, but my parents weren't very... Uh, supportive of of me trying to be a model or actor and they always talked kind of you know doubted me a little bit like well it's not the best career choice and i can see how people could could say that because it's very unstable and not very many people make it um but you'll never make it if you don't try so right right yeah. And, and what do you think, you, the, the person that wants to get into acting today, mm -hmm. how much experience do you need before you go try out for the first thing? Is, is there, do you think there's an acceptable amount of training a person needs before they're, they, they should go out and attempt this? Or can a person show up green from Iowa and try to make it? Like, what do you, what do you think about something like that? Because there's not really any real written rule about this. Like you don't have to go to college for this. You know, no. you can take acting classes, but how many acting classes is enough? Can I take one and then go audition? Do I need to take two years worth? Like, what do you think about that in terms of the training? Yeah, well, there's also levels of work in LA and, and everywhere. I mean, anybody who really wants to get started could get started and try to audition for student film projects or projects that aren't you know, studio projects in Hollywood. And I would try out those first and see how, how that goes. Um, and for those, you really don't need any training because the students are training themselves as well. So you guys are all learning together. Yeah. Um, so that would be a one, one way to get started. What would you say probably the most important trait is I know you said, you know, to believe in yourself and, mm -hmm. and go do it, but 
if there was one thing you had to kind of put your thumb on as probably a key to going out and doing this, would you say it's, is it, does a person need to be attractive? Do they just need to have confidence? Do they, what would it be that would be that one defining thing that you, you would say? Well, funny enough, the first word that came to my mind would be reliable. Reliable, um, yeah. Because if you don't show up for one audition, let's say you have an agent and you don't show up for one audition, they are very unlikely to send you to another one because they don't believe that you'll go. Right. And, and your reliability is lost at that point. So to me, it's almost that being attractive definitely is not that important because there is roles for all kinds of characters and all types of people. Um, and that's one of the things that's great about acting. Um, but reliability is needed out of all of those people. To make of course. Sense. That's great. That's good. I, you know, that was right there. I like, I should have thought about that myself. <laughs> yeah. Reliability would probably be the most important thing. For some reason I was leaning toward maybe confidence because if you're not yeah. confident as an actor. You're never going to deliver, but yeah, I mean, you got to show up first, right? Yes. Yeah. And true. It is important to be confident. Um, and funny enough, even if you play roles, a character who's scared, as an example, you don't really need to look confident because the character is scared. But in order to go and get it done, you still need to be confident within yourself, even if your character isn't. How quickly did you get an agent? For me, getting an agent was really fast. Um, but that's because I had had modeling agents before. Um, so that was it was much easier for me than for a person who's never had any kind of an agent before. Yeah. Sure. Sure. It's, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, we've, we've at the time this podcast comes out, this podcast will probably come out in November, I'm guessing. And we're mm -hmm. recording it right now in mid October. And uh, it's been such an interesting year. I mean, you know, most of the summer has been filled with just shutdowns and COVID and, and uh, protesting and riots like this is what our summer's been but if we go back to the beginning of the year if we go back to february the mm -hmm. top news story before covid hit was harvey weinstein mm. <laughs> that was the big thing and it's like that's like it seems so far away right now but it really was just a, six months ago and and, uh, and and i'm curious you know uh, at, like all of this kind of this me too movement and exposing of these these Hollywood predators. Did you have a, do you have a good Hollywood experience? Did you ever run into problems with Weinstein types or anything? Um, yes and no. It, it's always good if you do have an agent and although these can happen with an agent as well, but if you do have an agent who's on your side they make sure that you don't have to go meet people at their houses, as an example. They make sure that it is in an office location. Of course, things could happen in an office location too, but they're, they're potentially less likely than if you have to go to somebody's house. Sure. Um, so that helps. An agent helps. Um, a good one. Um, but I mean, I, I think... I, truly, I actually believe that every single actress in Hollywood has received some sort of a remark or something that's could be part of the Me Too movement. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's not strange for us. 
it, it's almost it's sad that it's almost like expected yeah as an actor that somebody at some point will say something or try to do something sure do you do you think it's being policed better now do you think this is a problem that will that will go away or is it a problem that will never end well, I certainly hope so. Uh, one thing I, that I love, and this was already happening a while ago, is that SAG is the Screen Actors Guild that um, union actors are members of. And when you call SAG, the phone number, at least for a while it was, I don't know if it's anymore. When you call it, it says, the automated thing says to press one if you're on set and you're being sexually harassed. So it's pretty cool that on the automated thing that's the number one that you can get help with wow yeah wow that's incredible i did not know that yeah yeah i remember i called there a while ago and i was really impressed that that was so important yeah absolutely yeah um yeah i yeah i often wonder you know i was having a conversation with uh, a guest a few weeks ago mm -hmm. and i was uh i was talking about you know uh, right now the exposure is on you know, men that are really vultures in Hollywood, you know, it's, it's finding, or, or I would, let's just say generally like the Epsteins and the Weinsteins and like people like this are, are the ones that are kind of being yeah, put in the spotlight right mm -hmm. now as me too kind of is about men harassing women mm -hmm. or, um, you know, being sexual predators to women. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting to me because there are lesser cases of this, but there's a lot of women that also harass women. There's a famous, director who is dead now I, I won't say her name on the podcast but it would probably mm -hmm. be easy for you to figure out who was mm -hmm. kind of infamous about hiring women that she would want for herself on her films and um, and so that kind of thing that women on women issue is is big and also men victimizing other men not so much necessarily not so much necessarily as like directors or producers but a lot of casting directors mm -hmm. that are singling out men um, is an issue and then of course you have like what you hear now is kind of the big story is kind of like the Hollywood pedophile thing yeah. what you're hearing a lot about that and that's a lot of male directors victimizing young males yeah. and um so there's all these other levels of things that have yet to be addressed. And mm -hmm. although I, I think that Hollywood is a good and decent public service, that's really important because people need to forget about their problems and watch entertainment so they can kind of stay sane in a way, you know, you got to decompress from your day-to-day -day life. And, and I think that what Hollywood delivers is really important for, for what it, what it does but yeah. what's underneath it, there's a significant ugly side of the industry and there's so much of it that the public doesn't know about. Yes, yeah, and, and yeah, and I'm actually thankful for this, this Me Too movement and, and the publicity Weinstein has gotten and, and um, because now I almost have a little bit more of a, like a tool on my side because this happened a few months ago a, a producer and a director texted me who i've talked to before and he texted me this text that was borderline inappropriate it said something like something about you being me being hot or something and then i just i was like oh okay this is a moment where i can use my new tool and i just wrote back hey you better watch out and not say things like that because because uh, you could get sued for this now. 
Wow. And it was my way of saying, don't do that to me because I'm just warning you, imagining that he probably does it for everybody else too. Wow. Yeah. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's great. And you worked with this person before. I've talked to him about working with him and I've, we've never actually shot anything together, but I've talked to him for years about shooting something. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. But I, I'm that way. I'm thankful for this, that I can use this now. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You worked on one of the shows you worked on was two and a half men. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you worked with Charlie Sheen on that show. Now, uh -huh. Charlie Sheen's got this crazy reputation. What was Charlie Sheen like on the, on the set? You know, I actually have, he does have a crazy reputation. I was a little bit worried about it when I went to work with him, but I have a really pleasant and nice experience with him. Um, he was very funny and he was very personable and he was actually very, um, considerate towards me and I don't really have anything bad to say about him because wow. he I may have told you the story before but he being a huge star in the so, show and making millions and me being just a one episode co-star you know there is a I feel like as a star of the show he can do whatever he wants and act however he wants, but it was really sweet that he actually consult, uh, consulted me about the scene that we were doing together. And he said, okay, if I do this and this, do you think that's good? Or do you think that's cool if I do this? And I was like, yeah, I, I just wanted to say, you do whatever you do because you do as well. Don't ask me. But it was very um, pleasant that he did that. Yeah, yeah. Have we, have we seen the last of Charlie Sheen? Is he going to make another big comeback for his third act? I don't know. I I I kind of hope so. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe Hollywood's had enough with him. But I I hope so. Um, he was um, he was very nice to me. So yeah, I, I think I think uh, I I think he has a third act in him. I hope so. Yeah. You know, I uh, growing up with him in movies you know mm -hmm. I've watched every like everything he's ever done since he started acting because I kind of am pretty much as almost his age but um but you know it was really you know he made a lot of you know fun movie theater summer movie stuff mm -hmm. but then he actually really showed he could act yeah. um and there were there were a couple of movies where it's like wow this dude is really good mm -hmm. and then he just went to anything that was a paycheck and all his movies were straight to blockbuster video, you know, just kind of corny action movies. Um, he still was in the theater. He was still relevant, but like his movies that he wasn't, he didn't have to, he didn't, he was making money. He didn't have to really try to act anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I, and I was like, I was always disappointed by that. Like I was entertained by his movies still, which is, you know, the purpose of it all. But like, I just really enjoyed watching him get serious and be a serious mm -hmm. dramatic actor. And then, you know, he goes into TV and then, you know, he, two and a half minutes, like a huge success. And there were other TV shows that he did along the way. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I always hoped that he would come back to big films again, but, you know, he gets wrapped up in all this, all the politics in Hollywood and his divorces and his money and his, how tough he is to work and all these things that no one really knows if they're true or not, or they're just some sort of Hollywood legend. And now he's kind of like vanished for a while. 
Yeah. You know, well, maybe if he now does a, a big movie, it would have to be some sort of an independent movie because I don't know if he will get um, insurance. Oh, that's what they said about Robert. That's what, they said about, that's what they said about Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, he's probably very hard to insure right now. Um, Downey Jr. was unemployable. Like you know, everyone thought that guy was going to be a casualty. Like he was going to be a news story mm -hmm. that he either got shot or is in prison forever or would be dead from drugs and now he's you know possibly still the highest paid actor in hollywood and mm -hmm. he made you know he came back and although technically i say i would say that was robert downey jr's second act in mm -hmm. his in his world you know it what he's done at this point is like so high profile i don't know if he could have a third act <laughs> right <laughs> because, right now he's just a legend <laughs> yeah how do you how do you do something after iron man like he almost has to age so far that mm. he has to like come back as like an old man you know yeah. is it but i want to see charlie sheen come back with with something but mm -hmm. you know who knows he could be crazy right now like it's it's yeah. uh it's it's interesting but i would i would love to see him come back and show people one more time yeah. you know this is what i'm capable of and yeah. maybe he just needs a break before he does that yeah yeah he, all these years in hollywood can uh can really yeah. uh affect you you know for sure for sure i What's... hope i run into him again i actually have run into him a couple of times since i worked with him and i talked with him both times uh, a little bit, but I haven't run into him now for a year, so we'll see. What what what's been your favorite project to work on so far? Wow. Hmm. Um. I I think. Hmm. Well, maybe maybe Junkie, um, because I get to play such a different character from myself in it. I get to play a junkie, a junkie whore. <laughs> Uh, my dream role. Um, <laughs> I, it's, I just love playing characters that are not me at all. Um, the more different from me, the better. And um, I stayed in Sacramento doing that. And that was the first time I've ever been in Sacramento for a long period of time. And I really liked it. Sacramento almost seemed like the Midwest compared to um, Los Angeles. So yeah. it was really refreshing to be there and then really amazing to play a character who's so down and out you've you've actually done a quite a wide range of things i think mm -hmm. what's what's missing what's eluded you so far what's that role that you still want to get that you haven't gotten yet is there something well i would love to play some sort of an action hero too like some sort of a, a character where i would have to physically train for uh, maybe that's eluded me because I uh, don't particularly like working out, <laughs> but, but uh, maybe something like that, um, like a James Bond villainous or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That would be fun, huh? Yeah. It would be awesome. I, I often hear actors talk about, you know, I haven't played a doctor yet. I haven't played mm -hmm. a cop yet. I haven't, you know, like they kind of wonder, everyone wants to kind of run the the gamut mm -hmm. of that you know, got to be yeah. a cop you got to be a criminal you got to be an action you know like everyone wants to do that kind of stuff and uh, yeah. it's always i'm always curious what actors want to get that they haven't gotten yet yeah well that's and, interesting i have played a doctor and a nurse and a doc uh, a police of those things that you mentioned so yeah 
yeah. I, I played a dead you, body. <laughs> you played, um, what did you play on Sci-Fi Channel? You were, um, you were a supervillain, weren't you? I was a supervillain, yes. So I, What was I the character? Beasting. Beasting, right, right, yeah, Beasting. Beasting. Yeah. That was I, an interesting uh, show. I remember when that was on. Yeah, and I got to work with Stan Lee, which was super amazing. Um, so I got to hang out with him while we were. Did you like him? I loved him. He was really. See, uh, I didn't have a good Stanley experience. No, why not? <laughs> Everyone I talked to has had like good Stanley experience. I had a terrible Stanley experience. I actually did not like him after I met him, and it was really disappointing to me. You know, you know they say never meet your heroes, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that's why, because I wasn't really, you know, that aware of him before working with him. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, it was, it was just like a convention experience and uh. in like a, in like a green room and he just was not, and, and it could have been, maybe he was sick or he wasn't feeling good or something, but it was one of those things where he just wasn't a pleasant person to be around. Mm. And uh, I just, the, when I would, I, the half of the conversation I had with him, he just, he just seemed, and I will say this was really, this was before Marvel kind of made this huge comeback with things and, and oh. put all these movies out that were like phenomenal. It was just before that. Mm. In fact, I think only maybe like the first Hulk movie had come out, which technically isn't even really kind of part of the current cinematic universe. There were just like a couple things that had come out, Punisher and some other stuff. And, and, uh, and he was just sort of like cynical and, and jaded about stuff, you know, and I just, that was the impression I got of him. And, mm. and I, and I don't, I don't know if it was like, like where his business was at at that time or you know how people were kind of treating the products or how things because like marvel had been like bought and sold many times and it just was really unpleasant and uh, i was like wow you know because literally moments before he was all smiles and handshakes to the fans mm -hmm. and then i just felt like wow there was like a real fakeness going on there and then this is like the real guy back here you know <laughs> Interesting. Very interesting. I, I was going to defend him and say that, well, he, he was a pretty old guy. So maybe he just gets tired, but maybe at that time he wasn't that old. Yet. I know. I know. It was, so it was really weird. So it was always disappointing to, uh, yeah. to uh, have that memory, you know, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's crazy, but his contribution, amazing. Yes. Um, I was more of a DC guy when I was younger. I got, you know, I like Marvel with, with the movies, but um, it's very, yeah, I, I have all day long. I am writing. I have to think at night. I just want to decompress with something mindless, you know? So I go for, <laughs> I go for a fast and the furious movie or a Marvel movie because it's just explosions and pretty people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I have to watch. I can't get into anything deep because it's like, ah, now I got to think watching this movie. This is, not what I want to be doing now at two in the morning. Yeah, no, I do the same. I, I actually like to watch comedies for that purpose. Um, I do that too, I do that too. It's just kind of brainless in a way that you don't have to think too much and you just get to laugh. What's, um, what, what do you go for when you watch a comedy? Do you watch a movie or you watch your favorite TV show? Um, I, well, either, I am mainly movies, I guess. Now I watch less TV because, um, I have a child who's young and I never get to do stuff anymore for myself. <laughs> uh -huh. um, so I guess after she goes to bed, I, I could watch a movie, but that's yeah. rare. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. You know, you realize why like, uh, you know, the office and friends and these shows are like so valuable because mm -hmm. 
they're just staples people want to tune into for a quick 22 minute, you know, laugh fix. So they're definitely uh, incredibly valuable uh, shows in the arsenals of some of these, yeah. some of these uh, studios. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Where we're at, where we're at now in the year, you know, we're seeing movie theaters have barely been open. And this year, there were like really hardly any movies that came out. What do you think, I've been kind of going back and forth with my friends about this. What, what do you think the future of Hollywood's going to be in terms of cinematic movies? Do you think we're going to get movies in the theater for real? I really hope so. Because it, it's really an experience that people in the future should experience as well, that you're in the same space watching the same movie with people you don't really know. Because um, the, the group dynamic of it, it has, it affects you as well as the movie itself. Yeah. Um, so I really hope people get to experience that in the future and it's just not all on the computer at your home. You know, it's weird because this year, you know, in terms of like enormously big movies being delayed, you've had, you, you know, James Bond may probably not come out this year, although mm -hmm. they haven't said that for sure. It's looking like it's going to get pushed and pushed and pushed until it's next year. Mm -hmm. We've had uh, Black Widow has gotten moved. Wonder Woman's gotten moved. Ju uh, Jurassic World didn't finish. So they're still working on that. And, uh, and like, Tenet was like the only big movie that really came out this year. Like everything's gotten pushed. They're hoping that there might be some December form of box office, but this whole year, oh, Fast and the Furious got moved. Mm -hmm. All these got moved and they're like next year, you know, next year, they'll be next year. But what's happening now is like, you've got the largest movie chain in Great Britain has shut down. Mm -hmm. You've got um, what Regal Cinemas is shutting down permanently now. Like we're getting like massive theater chains that are just biting the dust now. And I'm wondering if these movies are going to actually have an outlet to come out in. And, yeah. uh, and because these studios are going on a year of not making revenues, the cuts are going to start to come. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll tell you, you know, and I'm older, I'm older than you. And uh, I remember when the drive-ins went out, it, you mm -hmm. know, it was sort of a dec slow decline for the drive-in cinema but mm -hmm. literally the death rattle came almost overnight because there was a point of time in about 1980-81 where you started to have multiplexes where before mm -hmm. it was one screen one theater you started to get two and then you got four and then they just kind of like multiplied yeah. and when that happened <laughs> the drive-in literally collapsed overnight yeah. Well, you know what I'm hoping? Maybe the drive-in will make a comeback. It sort um, of has. It yeah. Sort of has. Because now because of COVID, people need to stay in their cars and they still get to have an experience um, it, watching it on the huge screen. It, so I've noticed that there's some sort of a comeback for that in the LA area for sure. There's there is. There's drive-ins reopening all across the country, but the problem yeah. is seasonal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. seasonal in most of the places but i'll tell you what started to affect this the multiplex was uh, it was home video and then mm -hmm. when home video came around the culture was shifting to people wanting to do stuff in their home yeah so what you're seeing and what you've been seeing and, and i think people haven't noticed it coming there's been a long slow decline yeah. for the multiplex in fact, I don't, I haven't been even seeing like first run Marvel movies. I haven't been in a theater packed mm -hmm. since the, the early eighties. Mm -hmm. I've been in a theater with a dozen people and yeah. that's, and they're never filled up. 
And I think what's happened is we've seen a long, slow decline and the snap that's going to happen to have this end virtually overnight is COVID. Mm -hmm. So it won't have been something like, uh, like home video started to kill things. It's going to be something like an epidemic that you can't fix for three years. Yeah. And, uh, and that's going to be the death rattle of those companies. And they're going to shutter all these. And then everything you get is going to be piped to you directly. And it will all be on demand. It'll all be digital. You won't even be able to buy a DVD. So it's all going to be pushed to you digitally. Yeah. That's where I think this is all going to go. No, I agree about the digital thing for sure. I, I personally don't even have a DVD player anymore. And I don't have a computer that gets fits a DVD. So it's, it's, I, I still sometimes buy DVDs, especially of my own movies, um, just to have them yeah. uh, to put in the shelf and never open them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also think, um, I also think that there has been some real greed with these movie studios this year, because it's like, we, we have this terribly depressed public and people are losing their jobs they're quarantined to their homes. A lot of people don't have anyone with them. They're alone. People are getting unemployment. They're losing money. They're getting evicted. Jobs are gone all over the board. And people haven't had much to rely on except getting on Netflix or listening to music. And I think that it's a little stingy to hold back really good entertainment from people when this would have been a great way for the studios to step up and say, we're going to give you something really cool because we know everyone's hurting. Instead, by holding back the Fast and the Furious movie, they're just proving to everyone how greedy they are. Mm. And I can't help but wonder, because this was a model of the 70s, before you could ever really ever see anything again once it left the theater. Like, you remember, like, in the 70s, when a movie left the theater, you never saw it again. Yeah. Like, no one ever thought it would ever be shown again. No one thought there'd be home video, right? So where you got to see it again was when it went to TV. And that was like a big deal. The Sunday night movie was like a big deal. And, uh, and I, I, I often wonder, I'm like, can you take a $100 million budget movie and put it on for its premiere on Friday night on NBC? Because there's fans of the franchise. Would they show up? And because you know they're going to show up, just like they would have shown up at an opening night, and they're getting it for free, would the advertising spots offset the cost? Mm. And I'm wondering if that model would even work. So it would be like a big Super Bowl every time. It would be. Yeah. I mean, those Super Bowl commercials cost a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So maybe yeah. it could work for this. I don't know. I mean, it would probably work first for sure until people would maybe get bored with it. I don't know. It depends how often they do it, I guess. If there's anyone from Universal listening, yeah. I'll leave my number. <laughs> <laughs> uh. But I think they're on the right track with these apps, you know, uh -huh. like Peacock's app is out now. And of course, we've had Netflix and Hulu for a while. And, uh, and, and it's really interesting if you think about it, because I wonder, like, if Peacock Network put a big movie like Fast and the Furious on it, uh -huh. you're paying, you know, you can pay, well, you, Peacock's free, but there is actually a pay version of Peacock. I wonder if, you know, one theatrical movie a month going to a pay service, it's offset by the cost of you paying your subscription. So it's, it's really kind of um, just like 
you know, you are paying a movie ticket every month. Mm -hmm. So I, I can, I wonder if that model would work or if I wonder if that's what they're thinking they're going to do down the line is you subscribe to the Warner Brothers app. And then when the new Batman movie comes out, it's going to come out to the app and you're already paying $15 a month for the app. You've basically bought your ticket to see that. And then there's all this other stuff that's value added. That's basically old movies that you're getting for free. Yeah, you would just have to be really careful with the hackers and who would like download the movie and then sell it for cheaper. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that's true. That pirating is always going to be around. So I figure, yeah. you know, I don't, I don't like to go to pirate websites. I don't want to get a virus on my computer or anything. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna attempt it. I'll just, it's worth the money to not have to buy a new laptop. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Do you think, um, you know, you've been in Hollywood a while. Do you, do you think there's a lack of spirituality in Hollywood? Um, I, I actually, amongst actors, maybe not. I, I find actors, some of the actors to be really spiritual when you talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but actors are kind of free spirits themselves. So I, I, I don't know. But maybe in, on the business side. I noticed that like, um, you know, actors don't really wear a lot of their, you know, spirituality on their sleeve, so to speak. And I, and no. I remember someone telling me once, you know, well, they kind of want to be a blank slate for people, you know, that mm -hmm. might have been you that told me that actually. <laughs> yeah. But, but, uh, but so I get that, you know, but then you hear about like, Mel Gibson's got a big Catholic church. Mm -hmm. that he that he opened you know and mel gibson has never made a secret of the fact that he is hardcore catholic you know so yeah. you get some people like that um mm -hmm. you know spielberg is jewish he's always you know had that out there mm -hmm. um but jewish hollywood has been a thing for a long time i mean that was never any secret on the, the business yeah. end of that but i don't see it often with actors and the actors that do talk about it are, you know, mid-tier actors, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know, I don't know what, what Brad Pitt is. I'd like to know, I'd like to know if he goes to church. And, and, I, and I often wonder, one of the reasons I like the Quest podcast is because I can have people come on from all different types of worlds and there's always a connection somewhere to religion or spirituality. Mm -hmm. And uh, about the only person I won't invite on the show is a true atheist, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and, I, and I always find it interesting because what it does is it gives people hope that haven't really wanted to talk about it or were afraid to. They can hear a figure skater or a cheerleader or an actress talk about, you know, what they believe. And then it makes people feel better for their own journey with mm -hmm. stuff. And that's why I think, you know, I think if you're in the Hollywood eye, you know, it, would that be a good thing for people to talk about? If you're in the public eye like that. Huh. Yeah, no, you got me thinking, like, am I crazy to think that people are spiritual? But maybe they, if you end up talking about it one-on-one, -on -one, they would say that, but not necessarily publicly. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, and maybe part of it is that you don't want to exclude your self or your movie or whatever from people who are into other religions i sure I, yeah it, it must be some sort of a business decision in that way as well which is kind of sad well i think in a pr way you're absolutely right like yeah. a, an actor who voices their opinion on politics mm 
Mm -hmm. have to be prepared for the backlash of the people yeah. who don't subscribe to that belief, you know? Right. Yes, and, exactly. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I, use, I think I've used this example before, but I talk about, I mentioned uh, Taylor Swift. Mm -hmm. And um, Taylor Swift would get vocal every once in a while about politics and then yeah. couldn't understand the backlash she would receive from her fans and would get almost hostile with people about mm -hmm. why you're not, why aren't you listening to me? Like, why aren't you you're not hearing what I'm saying? Like she expects everyone to kind of drink that Kool-Aid mm -hmm. and, uh, and whether it's, you know, Bono from U2 or it's Taylor Swift or it's whomever, you know, the, here's the thing. Here's the, here's the rub really. So they have a fan base, right? So a hundred percent of their fan base like them for what they're doing, their music, right? Yeah. And the only deviation from that fan base would be if they made such a departure from their music that you, you know, Taylor Swift goes pop music and then she loses her country fans. So she might take a little hit there, but also gain new pop music fans. So the fan base is still there. There's no division. If you don't like Taylor Swift, you're not her fan anyways, and you're just out there liking someone else. So when that person now discusses religion or politics or race, yeah, you you create a division, yeah, and you, you can't dilute the fan page. You, you do, and yeah. they can, and that's the problem is they they are in such their own world they don't get it they don't mm -hmm. get why their fan base isn't listening to them well they're listening to you for your music that's what they got into it for, yeah. that's the danger that's the danger and I don't see how celebrities aren't smart enough to realize this. Maybe they are smart enough to realize, well, m let's say most of them are smart enough to realize this because they don't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good way to look at it. That's yeah. the cup is half empty point of view right there. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh my. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. Uh, so I want to get into something. So you had told me, I, wanna, I want you to talk about this in the podcast. You yeah. have a couple ghost stories. Yeah. And I feel so nervous talking about them because it's, I feel like sometimes when people talking about seeing ghosts, they come across crazy. <laughs> and I do not want to come across crazy because I feel like I'm not. <laughs> we, we embrace this on this podcast. So everyone yeah. will, uh, listening to this will not think you're crazy yeah. for sure. But uh, what I like about these paranormal stories in mm -hmm. relation to kind of my, my quest podcast is, um, you know, I, I find... I think there's an interesting dynamic. I got to talk about this a lot in my book, but there's an interesting dynamic of what people are seeing or what they think that they're seeing. And, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I discuss what a roaming soul is and that would generally be what a ghost is and mm -hmm. soul that's left a person's body, but hasn't quite gone to where it's supposed to go. And, uh, and then some people see ghosts or apparitions, but they may not actually necessarily be seeing a roaming soul, he might be seeing an angel or a demon of some sort. And, uh, and then in some cases, there's, there's a lot of great uh, study in like, when you see, you know, a UFO or an extraterrestrial, if you see mm -hmm. an alien, you know, a, there's a great book out called Angels and Aliens, that compares that what people are really seeing is the same thing. Just as we've gotten modernized, it's become less about witnessing seeing an angel you're seeing something extraterrestrial mm. and uh, and i think there's a lot of interesting dynamics to all this and uh, and i wanted you to tell your story I, you have a great japan ghost story at least tell that one well see to me that one's the most haziest one because that was the first one yeah 
And I think I was the most scared about that one because I wasn't sure what was happening or what it was. And then the, the three other ones after that are more, more clear in my mind because I wasn't trying to get away from it necessarily. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I was in, in Osaka, Japan, and I lived there. I was modeling there. This is a long time ago. And in my room, I was asleep and I woke up and see, I keep doubting myself whenever I mention anything about it, because I'm like, well, maybe it was a dream. Maybe I was seeing things. Maybe like, I don't know. Um, but there was something in the corner and it was dark and it was fairly tall and it was looking at me and and that's basically it. And I, I don't know where it came from or how, or if it was a dream or, but it was very real. How old were you? Ah, so if I was in Osaka, I was, maybe I was 18, 19 years old. And did you say that it was in like a doorway? Uh, it was in a corner. Uh, there was a door. It, so in the corner on the other wall there's a window and on the other wall there is a door and it was between those yeah okay and it, but it was really tall it was tall and so it was taller so by perspective you could tell it was taller than the door frame um yes although the japanese doorways might be shorter than american ones <laughs> Did it move? Um, this one, it's weird because compared to my other things, the other things that I've seen, I don't necessarily, okay. Okay, two of them, I see them and the other two, I feel them. Gotcha, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Like they're seeing a potential ghost and then there's feeling them. And the other two of my experiences, I feel them. And the two of them, I see them. So this, this is the one that I see. I mean, obviously I felt him because I woke up. So but. this this particular one in Japan, mm -hmm. it had, its framework was, would you say human? Just a really tall human? Or was he, could you tell if it was wearing something? Yeah, well, I, to me, he was wearing like an armor or like some sort of a, it's dark colored. Yeah. Um, but it, it's, it's almost like there's no face and there's a mask on top of the face, but um, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to specifically remember it maybe because I try to keep forgetting it um, uh, so that I don't. I don't come across crazy. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> um, yeah. So you know, Japan is interesting because what the island is made of, anyways, mm -hmm. um, is essentially all volcanic. Yeah. So what's interesting about so like basically lava rock? Lava rock acts a lot like crystals do. Mm. So there's a real. There's not a lot of science in this, but you typically find a lot of uh, paranormal activity in areas where the, the kind of the consistency of the ground is either crystal or it's 
like a lava rock. And uh, that's why things like the suicide forest in Japan, uh-huh. what people believe that that's kind of why that place is incredibly haunted. Like the suicide forest, it, there's not even birds in it. Like it's completely silent. Like the animals don't even want to go in there. And yeah. the reason why is because the lava rock may have a property that traps souls. So if you commit suicide, you don't get to move on. You stay there. And it may be just something in how the that makeup is of what the lava rock is. And, yeah. um, and it's the same way with crystals. There's a lot of places that are incredibly haunted because the ground rock is made up of a lot of crystal and crystals have a tendency to either cloud the direction of where a roaming soul needs to go or possibly keep, you know, if you believe in a portal that goes to a heaven or to a guff, you know, it keeps people kind of locked there and they need help to move on. Mm. So because that, and that's why you have a lot of activity, a lot of spiritual activity in Hawaii, because, you know, it's obviously all built from, from lava. Yeah. So it's a, so you, there's a lot of, a lot of hauntings all through Japan, and um, and uh, and it's always interesting because you know there's things just like this. Like you're kind of describing someone, uh, maybe feudal in appearance, like mm-hmm. a feudal Japan type person. Yes. Um, but you could also be describing, uh, you know, an angel or a demon potentially. You know, you might be seeing something uh, harmful, but there there would be a lot of things like that there. It'd be interesting to see, you know, if other people in that house have had similar experiences, yeah. but someone who has multiple experiences with a ghost uh, many times have a connection anyways. Hmm. And, uh, you know, like you experiencing several different kind of ghost stories, feeling them or seeing them is, you know, a lot of it's inherently in you and it's not being crazy. It's that you're kind of in touch in a way. Yeah. And uh, it's a tool or a power you haven't really you know, started to use for yourself. Yeah. And at the time, I can tell you, I was scared. I was so scared. I was afraid to get out of bed. I was afraid to move. And I was like, how am I going to get out of this room? Yeah. Um, so it, it definitely was scary feeling. And I don't know if the scary feeling for me came from the thing itself or just the fact that I was seeing something weird. Well, that really validates what you saw because... Mm-hmm. A lot of people will see like a crazy shadow or something catches a corner of their eye, but you have more of a curious feeling about it. You don't go straight to fear. You're like, what was that? You know, yeah. like, you know, that's the, the, the sense. But when you move right to that, you know, to, to that fear stage, you've definitely had something that's registered as real in yeah. your mind. And you can't dispute that, um, that emotional reaction to it. Right, right. Yeah. And you're telling me lots of new stuff because I lived in Japan for three years and I've never even heard of this suicide forest. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Now I want to go. (laughs) Well, Google it because uh, I will. I will. We'll put, we'll put that on our, on our list of places to go for the, for the quest show. Right. right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But Google it because it's terrifying. And there's actually a lot of, um, there's a lot of like little TV show docs and things like that. Um, that cover it on Hulu. There is a, there's a show that William Shatner does. That's like one of those, you know, believe it or not type shows or, you know, weird mystery shows. And I can't remember what it's called right now. They actually do an episode on, on the, um, on the, on that forest and they talk and they get into it and they talk about, uh, you know, crystal and lava rock and things like that. And they, they talk about all the, 
the suicides that have happened there and how many there are. They're like, const there's constantly suicides there. Wow. And it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. So no one really knows if people are drawn to that location or there's just, there is a lot of depression and suicidal tendencies with people in Japan anyways. And it's sort of been their culture for a long time. And, and, yeah, that and they've it could seen be that they just go to this forest to kill themselves because they had already planned to do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So there's always, you know, the different ideas of, you know, why people go there, or if they're driven there and you know, what happens after they're there, but there's definitely something dark about that particular spot. Mm. And, um, and, and Japan generally just through the centuries has just seen a lot of tragedy and a lot of war and, uh, you know, it, it, so it just for a country itself, it has a lot of history and a lot of death. Mm -hmm. And if you think about kind of the limited size of being a geographically isolated island, there's probably someone has died on pretty much every square inch of that, mm -hmm. you know, someone's yeah. died in every home, like someone's died of natural causes or like, there's literally been a death everywhere there over the, there's been so many people live on that island. Yeah. And, and it's very crowded. Mm -hmm. um, Tokyo and Osaka, there's so many people living on top of each other, basically. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about it? Do you want to share another story? Well, since that had happened to me, I actually then became more interested in like, if I saw a UFO, I'd be like, please give me a UFO experience because I want to see one. Um, I've never seen one though, but I would love to. And this is an open invitation to all aliens to come. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, as an example, my last story is about the house that I'm currently living in. I bought this house in 2009 and it had been empty for two years. Nobody lived here and it was in terrible condition. Um, and the person who had owned it before me um, had died. Uh, and he, he, I wasn't told if he died in the house, but I am assuming he did. Um, and then he didn't have any family. So the state of California took the house and then sold it um, to me. So whenever I'd be in my bathroom, um, I could feel, and if my bathroom was open, if the bathroom door was open, as an example, I was blow drying my hair, I could feel something looking at me uh, from the living room by my fireplace. And I would constantly keep turning around, there's somebody there and there's somebody there and there's never nothing there. And this keeps happening for weeks. And every time I'm in the bathroom, I keep looking towards the fireplace to the same exact spot. And I'm like, there's something there and I can't see anything and I can feel it. Wow. Yeah. And sometimes I would have to, I'd be blow drying my hair and I would have to go and close the door. So this, this thing would stop looking at me. And, and then like, and then every once in a while I'd walk by and I'd feel something and I'm like, there's something here. And especially when I get my mail, um, I have a mail slot in the house. So the mail comes in to that same room where the fireplace is and I'd get my mail and I'd always have to look at that spot by the fireplace. And I'm like, this is just weird. So then I just, in my own head put, put two and two together that it must be the guy who died in here who owned this house before me mm -hmm. wow so then i started um talking to him 
Um, so now I don't sound crazy at all, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I started talking to him. I said, you know what? I own this house now and this is my house and you don't own this anymore and you're dead. Um, and I kept opening windows and I kept opening doors and I told him, if you want to leave, you can leave. You're free to go. And I kept telling him, you're free and you can just go do whatever you want, but you don't have to stay right there. And he wouldn't still move. He would just be there and I'd still keep feeling him. And then one day, um, I kept getting mail for him at my house. And even though he's been dead for two years. Um, and I told him, you know, I keep getting these mails for you. And I just keep writing them that, you know, a return to sender, um, receiver is deceased. And I said, you know, I'll keep doing this until the mail stops coming. And then I told him again, you can leave and here's a window that's open and you can just have a free life somewhere else. And after that, after I told him about the mail, I haven't felt them anymore. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to, you know, talk. If you okay, think good. there's a presence there, you're supposed to talk to them and, yeah. and tell them they can go because many times they're confused mm -hmm. and don't know how to move on. Um, and, you know, they don't, they don't necessarily know how to communicate. And sometimes it's a one-way street with how the communication goes. There's psychic mediums that would explain all this a whole lot better than I'm doing right now. But, yeah. um, but there's a really interesting way in which communication happens. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I've heard many stories like that where, you know, you feel the presence more yes. than you see the presence. Yeah. And, yeah, I never um, saw him. I would just feel him. Yeah. The, a realtor friend of mine told me um, in California they're required to tell you if someone died in the house, if they know. Yes, and, and I think uh, there's a time limit to it, though. Maybe it might be two or three yeah, years. And yeah, I yeah. Don't have to tell you anymore. Yeah. Then, uh, and then they said that they're supposed to divulge whether someone died even before that. Mm. And that, you know, it's, that's part of like, that's like a California law now to, uh, yeah. I always want to know, just, you know, to know. <laughs> yeah, my house is old. My house was built in 1926. So there wow. might be other people who died in here too. Who knows? I don't know. It could be. You probably would have, uh, you probably would have noticed that by now though. I probably would have. It's pretty peaceful here now. That's great. I yeah. should make this, uh, this episode, my Halloween episode. <laughs> right? <laughs> a couple of good creepy stories there. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Those are great though. I appreciate you sharing those. I love when people, right. uh, can uh, can talk about that a little bit but uh but yeah so as we're getting close to wrap up to to wrap up here um what do you have coming up what's what's next like everything's kind of ground to a halt for acting and modeling what's what's next for you it really has i i've been so lucky that i've had three jobs this fall and i've been so thankful and grateful for every single one of them my first one was um actually in finland i shot a tv series a one one episode for a TV series that's coming out in Finland in February uh, called like mother like daughter. So that is coming out in Finland for the Finnish people. Um, and then I just did a commercial in the Palm Springs area for a um, jewelry company. So if you're in California, you might be able to see that. And then um, I just did a print job also. So those are things that I have coming up, but I'm, I'm uh, I'm uh, sending good vibes to the universe that I will get some, some bigger and better jobs here quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I can share more with you guys. 
How, um, how can people find you out there on the interwebs? Do you have a dot yeah, com or are you, are you on social media? I am on Instagram. I'm Anna East Eden, all one word. Um, or if you just put Anna East Eden, I think I should come up and same on Facebook um, and Twitter. And then I have my own website too that I should be updating more often than I do, but it's AnnaEastEden.com. Yeah. Because, you know, there's no time. You have no time, clearly, to be updating your .com, right? <laughs> I know, right? Because there's all kinds of other things, social media. And, and now I always have to blame it on my child, who is now two and a half years old, yeah. that I just don't have a life anymore because of, because of her. Or maybe my life is just now different. It's so what about, what about Lucky Adventurer? Like, yes. You haven't been able to adventure, but you do have that on Instagram. That's one of my favorite Instagrams. So tell everyone about that. Thanks. Uh, yeah. So my Instagram handle, Lucky Adventurer, is my travel um, page. So I post photos from travels that I've done and, and destinations. And I actually should be updating that more often because I have a back, huge backlog of pictures that I have taken from my travels earlier. But I actually have kind of felt bad about doing during COVID to do it, doing it during, during COVID, can't speak now, because um, I don't want people to think that I'm traveling out there um, and not um, sure adhering to the law. That's, tr that's true. People will think that too, won't they? Yeah, they do. And I feel like, no, no, I'm just at home posting these. So. And you're, uh, you're also on Facebook. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, perfect. Well, Anna, thanks for uh, coming out and telling these stories. And uh, I'm sure my Quest audience will see you more in the future. Project we can't talk about yet, but yes, I, some I things uh, going on out there. But yeah. um, but I do appreciate you kind of giving everyone your story and uh, and then getting into some really kind of scary things at the end. It's always yeah. always fun to get into that. So Thanks. we'll see you soon. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. Bye bye. All right. Bye. it my interview with Anna East Eden I hope you enjoyed it I'll see you next week on quest thank you for listening to quest please be sure and rate and review this podcast this podcast is copyright any previously trademarked or copyright content is used by permission be sure to visit the official website for the International Association of Metatomics at metatomics.org or Find us on social media for other unique content. And make sure to pick up a copy of the book that started a spiritual revolution, Metatomics, The Grand Design, available for sale online and at most major bookstores. Thanks for listening.